dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. The fact is, most of us spend most of our days at work. With a 40-hour work week, and many of us exceeding even that, work takes a place of precedence in our lives. What does this have to do with our spirituality, with our life of faith? I'd like to explore just that with you now. Well, hello, everybody. I'm so glad to be with you today, and I'd like for you to have this chance just to take a break, at least a mental break from everything that you've been doing. Our, it's so amazing that in our world today, we, we have more time-saving elements wrapped into our lives than we have time to enjoy them. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, you took a car to get here. You have cell phones in your pocket, instant communication, instant knowledge. Uh, you have transportation and climate control and comfortable seats. And the most important of all, of course, dishwashers. Things we, things we take for granted, right? Microwaves. Uh, we, we have so many ways to save time. And yet, it's almost like we, we yearn a little bit inside for the simplicity of life where we actually don't have those time-saving devices. It, it's funny how there's like inside of us a nostalgia. I wish I just had the ability to just fold laundry and focus in on that. You know, but it's like we take so many ways to save time that then we fill the time that we save with even more productivity. And so the chance just to sit back and listen to a talk that makes us think and reflect about, well, work and spirituality and prayer is itself a luxury. A lot of people won't even have time to do this. So the only way they'll get to do it is if they're in their cars listening or if they're, if they have on their jogging and they're doing their exercise, we can, we, we try to cram in spirituality and faith and formation in the little areas of our life that we can because everything else seems so busy. And I just find it oxymoronic, right? It's, it's so strange how in a world where we have all of the comforts necessary to live a higher type of life, a life of reflection, of contemplation, of wisdom, of prudential decision-making, of high conversation and intellectual debate, of reading and learning, we end up with people who are completely frazzled and even more plunged into the ordinary than folks who who are, in, on the contrary, not given those luxuries. Why is that? Isn't that funny? I mean, like, if you really thought about it, you'd say, my goodness, if, if only I could run a farm, 
then I'd have a really good human life, you know? And I could run a farm, not in a modern sense, but in the old ways, you know? And then the old ways, people were just wishing that someone else would be able to wash their laundry with a machine, you know? And what a great invention that was, you know? We gotta remember that we got to the world where we are now because it was seen as better than where we were before. And I think, of course, it is. You know, I'm sitting here speaking with you on a microphone and I'm able to, pre you know, we're able to use technology in so many beneficial ways. I'm not here to put that down at all. But what I am here to say is what's the price for that technology? One of the prices that we have of being efficient and of having the technology at our service to do all kinds of amazing things is that now we feel like we have to do all kinds of amazing things all the time. I mean, think even, for example, of the invention of the light bulb. What a thing that was for changing civilization. You know, did we ever have a moral reflection on whether or not it's good for us to extend the day into the night? I mean, if God made the day and then God made the night, which is, of course, in Genesis, he made the sun to separate light from darkness and night from day. Well, goodness, maybe he was onto something. <laughs> maybe it's actually good for us. You know, I remember one time I had a, in the monastery, we, we had a novice master who said, man, I'm going to give you the secret to happiness. We all, of course, listened up, you know, perked up in our, our little stools there. And he said, here's the secret. Go to bed at night and wake up in the morning. <laughs> I thought, no, there's really something to that, right? The secret to happiness is going to bed at night and waking up in the morning. Like, in other words, like God made the day and God made the night. And yet we've extended the night, or the day into the night. We've extended it so far that you could actually never sleep. I mean, then your body, of course, catches up with you. But the, the, the possibility of productivity has been made even greater because of the, the ease with which that productivity has been given to us. And that makes us pause and reflect. Because if we're not careful, that means that we could spend our entire lives in frivolity. And we could miss the real reason why we have the things that we have. This is why spirituality becomes so important. The, the spiritual gives us the gauge that measures the productivity. Just like the, a person's soul is the thing that's so important in their life that their body, their health, their, their possessions, their relationships, their positions, all of those different things are relative to it. I mean, what does it profit a man, right, to gain the whole world if he loses his soul? The soul is the most important thing. It's more important. Everything else serves that purpose. So if soul is, is too much for you to grasp, think of it like your identity, right? Like, it doesn't do you any good to be running around crazily if you lose your character, if you lose your, your sense of self, right, your identity. Well, in the same way, your spiritual sense, your moral ethical compass is what allows you to know when to say when to all of the possibilities that present themselves in terms of, well, productivity. Because there's, of course, there's, 
there's a good productivity, but sometimes it can go too far. You know, there's a, a book out there by McEwen. It's called Essentialism. And the, the essential argument of, of the book is that the difference between successful individuals and the non-successful individuals lies to a great degree in how they manage their success. It's an oxymoron. It's, it, 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 it's funny how this is. It's like a, a paradox to say that when you get successful, your number one enemy is your success. Because if you're not disciplined about the one things or the essential things, you will be undisciplined about non-essential things. So running crazily after one next idea to the next idea to the next idea, because you're so good at those ideas, it just multiplies into an infinity of possibilities. And this is where I find so many of our great people. We're running around between so many different things, so many possibilities, because we're so good at maximizing every single one of them. We're the kid's soccer coach, and we're the super mom, and we're the volunteer at the hospital, and we're trying to help father with the capital campaign, and we're doing all of these different things at the same time. And of course, it is great that we're doing all those different things at the same time. But what could happen and what happens most of the time is that we end up running dry. This is not the will of God for us to run dry. How do I, how do I gauge? How do I say no? How do I limit? This is the first step and the great input of Catholic spirituality, and it's the good news that I have to share with you. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Okay, so we're really confronted with this really essential question in front of us, right? Like, how is it that I can integrate all that I'm supposed to be doing with the one essential task of maintaining my spirituality. The first thing I'd like to say is, as, as a Catholic priest speaking to you, this, this is something that irks us as priests. Sometimes we just don't get the respect that, frankly, we, we deserve. I don't know, it might be sounding a little bit off-putting here, but let me phrase it to you this way, right? You cannot live as an essential human being by forgetting your essential part. The part of spirituality, of Christian faith, it addresses man's soul first. And for that reason, those of us who are in frenzied activity of just, yeah, just making one thing after the next and trying to, to, to constantly keep up with the pace, will have the tendency to, to turn around and say, I don't have time for that. So all of the, the, the talk about compassion, love, mercy, ethics, prayer, it just kind of resonates in our ears as, as something that I wish I had time for, as something that I know is probably important, but it's something that I just cannot dedicate myself to because everything else is screaming for me right now. And then there's the limitless possibilities that I have. And we continue on this hurried pace Leaving the priest sitting on the mountainside, you know, so to speak, 
Well, I'm going to get off the mountain for a second and just interrupt your day to say, hang on, you will be more efficient if you could listen to the words of God. You would be more effective and more productive and more successful if you were able to limit your realm of possibilities that are seemingly infinite and channel them by that same limitation into the focus of saying, I am here to accomplish God's will. The will of God and the glory of God gives me a boundary to, that allows me to say no to so many other things. And you say, well, well, how, Father, am I supposed to know what God's will is? Well, I would say, essentially, it begins with your vocation. If you are married, then God's will is number one for your relationship with your spouse. And then number two, your relationship with your children. And then number three, your relationship with your extended family. And then after that, the other relationships, your work relationships, your work, you know, parish relationships. But it begins with your spouse. And if I know that, that's an absolute, you guys. I'm not making this up. This isn't, you know, this is not like, okay, this is a nice thought. I'm, this is the teaching of God. If you are married, your marriage is your number one vocation, even before your career. Your marriage needs to be fed by your career. It's not like an either or proposition. Your career can help your relationships in many ways, and it needs to. The intelligence that you cultivate in your workplace, the challenge that you overcome in your workplace, these all form the character of that person who is married to that other person. And, and it's a beautiful thing. The, the adventures of leadership that you encounter in your social situations, the dynamics in your family as you try to overcome the different tensions that can be there, all of that augment the richness of the marriage. But they cannot replace the marriage. It's not as if I'm married in order to have those things. I have those things in order to live out my marriage. But to do that, I've got to be able to put my marriage in highlight, in the, in the spotlight, and in the, give it the emphasis that it really deserves. Because if I don't, dissipation happens. Remember, it's just, it's just like what I told you about. It's, it's us running constantly in these circles of trying to catch up with our own life precisely because we have so many capacities to do so many things that we're doing them all the time and we're forgetting why we're doing them. We're doing them, remember what I said, to glorify God, to love Jesus, to bring heaven to the earth. Okay, well, that requires a focus in the very first place that I need to start to keep everything else in priorities is with my relationship with my spouse. And the witnesses just, it just bear this out. Try to tell me how many unhappy people you know who are, all, who are living a happy marriage. I'm living a happy marriage and I am unhappy. It, it's like zero. If you have a happy marriage, you're going to have a happy life. And, and so if you have that happiness in that relationship, well then your, your job might come, it might go, the economy might go up, the economy might go down, the children might be challenging, the children might be easy, but you have this basis and this is what God wants for you, that focus. And therefore, hey, when things come up, I've got to make choices. 
Make sure that you make those choices, keeping that in mind. Why I'm here on this earth is to glorify God in the very first place that I do that is in my marriage. Now, if you're religious, it's a different thing. Your priority is obviously not your marriage because you're not married. <laughs> but your priority would be, therefore, your relationship with God and your religious duties. If you're single, where's your priority lie? Well, of course, in your relationship with God and then in the ways that God is using you as his instrument in this world. In all those three different states of life that we have, you have the essential harmony coming through. I know how to say no, and I need to know how to say no so that I can say yes better. It's like one of my, my mentors told me recently, he said something really beautiful. He said, Father Nathan, if everything is important in your life, then nothing is important. <laughs> it's true because, right, the temptation is to say, I've got this and this and this and this and this and this and this to do. And if you can't prioritize them, then be careful because if everything's important, then nothing's important. And that's, that's the essential for us moving forward, that ability to prioritize. And God has given us that priority. It looks like this. Number one, him. <laughs> Number one, spirituality. The spirituality of being with God comes before everything else, my friends. And, then, and, and this is the commandment he gave us. Well, how do we live that out? Well, I want to talk to you about that, okay? We're going we're gonna to get to that. But I want us to like, see this priority. The second is marriage. Your relationship, I'm, I'm assuming for those who are, who are married, and if, it's, if you're not married, then your second is the places where God has given you to serve. But in your marriages, you have a clear priority. And in that marriage, the third is the fruitfulness of that marriage, your children. In order to live those out, you absolutely have to live in a respect and a care for yourself. So I'd like to actually say, instead of saying, uh, you know, it's God, others, me. I think we ought to make that priority and say, yes, that is the priority in terms of my perspective. But in fact, it should be God then taking care of myself so that I can serve others. So not in a selfish way, but at the same time recognizing that, man, I have got to be able to put that as a priority in my life. Because nothing will be worse than a boring speaker or a non-intelligent author or, you know, a, a, a disinteresting spouse. You know, we, we have to be able to gather together our focus and be the people that we are, be so that we, or that we are, so that we can serve people the best that we can. In keeping this priority, I allow God to be glorified and I focus my energies, being able to say yes to the things I should and no to the things that need to be foregone. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Okay, so we're trying to examine together what is the proper place for spirituality for me who is a worker. I can understand that nuns are wonderful, that priests are the greatest things since sliced bread. And a lot of Catholic spirituality, I would even say most of it, frankly, has been written according to that spirituality of the priest and of the sister. 
and of religious. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's kind of like starting by the high point, right? So you end up understanding the real depths of the Catholic spiritual tradition, which is where we are all going. What's missing for a lot of us is how to apply that effectively to the person who's not a priest, not a bishop, not a sister, who's instead got three kids at home and is trying to run a small business out of their living room, <laughs> or who is an accomplished business professional and trying to understand what his deeper purpose is in life, or the person who's looking to, to make a break or a move and is wondering if that's selfish or not. The vast majority of human beings are not priests, sisters, and bishops. And it's not that the spirituality that's written for them and by them is wrong. It's just that it needs to be put into the right context. And that's what I want to do with you. I want to help you to apply the depths of the Catholic spiritual tradition to your concrete circumstances as lay people who are engaged in the actual transformation of society and therefore working in society at its own terms, in its language. It's a very difficult switch, but don't be afraid. That's what we're here for. So let's take the very first principle. The first principle in doing this is to recognize the difference in the states of life. What does it mean to be a Catholic lay person? What does it mean to be a Christian who's engaged in the actual pursuit of the civil society? Well, the very first thing it means is that you have to be able to accept that you are not in your native place. <laughs> Catholic spirituality, the Christian soul, is claimed by a relationship with love with Jesus that overwhelms it and takes possession of it. Like St. Paul, who's on his way to Damascus and is knocked on his back by the presence of Christ and who is spoken to so convincingly that he converts from being a persecutor of the way to being an actual proponent and preacher of the way. This, this is an overwhelming encounter that Jesus gives to us who are his and we who belong to him by baptism and by the sacraments and by the power of his word and the Holy Spirit, well, we're attracted to him, to heaven, to God. And that, that, that upward focus of the Christian, Christian message is just so essential for us to never forget. It's what orients us. We're not about the things of this earth. We are about the things of God and the kingdom of God and making that present justice and peace and grace, and love, and faith, and hope, and these values. And of course, we have to find ways to constantly cultivate that. The problem is, so to speak, is that most of our life is focused on things that aren't directly that. And what I want to show you is that there is a bridge, okay? There is a way to inject that depth of relationship with God directly into your practical life. But the very first point is to say that there's a difference. And the difference is that the actual ways that you live out your day, you need to accept they are not the same ways of the heart that inhabit your spirit. And I think the earlier you can accept that 
and say, you can breathe a sigh of relief because a lot of us, we walk around with anxiety, feeling like we're doing something wrong all the time. I should be in church. I should be praying my rosary. I should be thinking about God. And instead, I'm doing surgery. <laughs> or instead, I'm worrying about the financial transactions that I'm accomplishing. Or instead, I, I'm worrying how to leverage this or that, you know, interest rate against this or that investment, right? And so you, then you're constantly in a state of guilt, almost like the way that I'm living in the world, I ought not to be living. I ought, and I, I want to challenge that straight up because when you are called as a lay person to be a lay person, and that is, that is a call by God, you are actively at that moment embracing this world with the love that Christ has for it. You become his agent of love towards every sector of the human experience from financing to family to friendships to culture I, I i demonstrate the love of god for those things by my love for them he is hiding behind me but but he is the one that's actively he sent me as a missionary to bring his love and his energy and his light into those spheres, which means I have a sacred and divine mission to embrace those spheres. How? Well, in the same way that he did. Isn't it neat to have as a God, the God who became a carpenter? We know this, right? Joseph was a, a tecton in Greek. He was someone who made not just like uh, tables and things, but he would make the, the, in a roof, he'd make the frame that the roof lays upon. Tecton, it's like a type of roofer. It's a rough carpenter. So, so Joseph would have been a man who would have known, you know, the heavy building techniques of his day and would have been applying, especially to putting roofs onto structures. And this would have been the son of, of Joseph, Jesus, who is the one that we follow. That means he embraced the labors of his day and commerce and the demands that were upon him. And so should we. My friends, in order to be effective Christians in the world, we need to accept that the world is the place of our mission, that we were sent into this and the, to infuse that with the soul and the spirit of Christ this is our task. This is what I want to explore with you. And I want to give you the way to do it. Do not be afraid to go into this world. Do not be afraid to go into commerce and into culture and into music and into finance and into building and into architecture. We need you there. This is where God has sent you because this is where God wishes to dwell. And he wants to be there in and through you. Blessed be his name. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.